Um, I want to just say that uh, how many people did not come to last Sunday night service? This is not to shame you. I just want to see a show of hands. Last night's service, who did not come? Just raise your hands real quick. Last week, last week's service did not come. I'm just saying, you missed a phenomenal service. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that so that you're like, oh, he's making me feel guilty. No, I'm just saying, the life course service in the future is the one we wear crash helmets to for real, all right? We heard testimonies of miraculous things that we've never seen happen at River City Church before, ever. And a a quantity that we've never experienced before. I mean, testimony after testimony after testimony was, God showed up, healed my back. God showed up, physical manifestation. God showed up, I started singing in tongues. God showed up, da-da-da-da-da-da. God showed up, I was freaked out, I was afraid. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, and physical healing. We're going to make available on our website the CD of testimonies. You might be saying, Andy, why are you making so much on the experience? Well, if you were here last week, you you heard me talk about that. Because... Our relationship with God is experiential, right? It's not just about what we think. It's about what we perceive. It's about how we interact with him. And last week's testimonies, you left going like, if I would have had, hey, we're going to have a life course sign up. Everyone in the service would have signed up. I guarantee you. I want some of that. And that's one of the things. I was talking to someone yesterday. They said, you know, more than anything, people want to know how to experience God. That's the desire of their heart. And that was, we didn't even have a talk last week. All we did is listen to the way people experience God on the Life Course Weekend. And I'll just say this. For those of you who did come last week and were serving in the nursery, my wife included, Danny. I see you over there going like, you saw I was here and I missed it. We gave you CDs. Really, 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 really thankful and appreciate you guys who do that. I mean, that was, a, again, it's a huge ministry in our church. But when we think about, and again, last week was so powerful. I mean, we were just gathered here. We moved all the chairs back. We were gathered here just worshiping God. The service went a half hour over just as we were experiencing God's spirit. I mean, what I told people last week was on the weekend, it was like when there was a, a time when I was leading the um, ministry time at the life course where it was, it was like there was a tangible presence of God. I could, I could feel God's presence. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And... Um, What's so exciting about that is that that is our heart's desire, is to experience God, to not just think correctly about God. You hear me talk about James 2 today. You know, even the demons believe. Even the demons think about God correctly. A.W. Tozer, the devil is a better theologian. The devil is a better thinker of God than all of us, but he is still the devil. Yet so many of us think, if I think correctly about God and I do the right things, then, you know, I'm saved. Then everything's good. I'm good to go. I would just say, you know, I don't, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that for a long time. If we give people the right information, we do the right things in our life, even if it's out of our own ability, then we're okay. I, just, I know that's not true in my own life. I've been in ministry 20 years, was exhausted, worn out, looked at the Bible and said, I'm not experiencing what, what Jesus experienced, and I'm not experiencing what his followers experienced. Something's missing. If Jesus needed to experience his father's love and move in the power of the spirit, needed the gifts of the spirit and his ministry, certainly I should expect the same thing. And so as I talk about worship today, it's with that in mind. Last week I said I defined worship, or two weeks ago I defined worship as it's adoration to God, bowing a knee, and it's an action. 
It's so funny. Y'all look so funny stuck on those lollipops. I'd never noticed that before. You know. But worship defined by scripture is adoration, bowing a knee before God, and it's acting, action. It's active. It's participation. It's not show. And the measure of worship is not how am I experiencing God. That's not what it's about. I'm not talking about that today. Our, is how are we blessing God? And what we've learned, what scripture teaches, as we bless God, as we are more satisfied in him, as we become satisfied, as we bless God, our life fills up with the life to the full that Jesus talked about and promised. And so people's testimonies last week were, as I was worshiping God, as I came before God, as I came before him and said, I want what you have for me, Father. I want to become who you created me to be. God poured out his spirit in a way that was amazing. And last, or two weeks ago, I talked about inner court worship and outer court worship. I posted my notes on the web or on the city. If you're not in the city, you need to be. And I also posted an article by a guy named Watchman Nee who had been persecuted in prison. I mean, an amazing minister of the gospel about this, this worshiping the Lord. What does it mean to come into the inner court? And I talked a lot about the inner court two weeks ago. This week, what I want to focus on is the outer court. But just to give you a refresher from two weeks ago, there's this quote by him. In Ezekiel forty four sixteen, it says, They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall, call, they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. Ezekiel forty four sixteen. Ministry, and this is Watchman talking, ministry that is, quote, unto me, unquote, is in the inner sanctuary, in the hidden place, not the outer court exposed to public view. People may think we are doing nothing, but service to God in the holy place far transcends service to the people in the outer court. And when we choose to draw near to him, we, we choose to worship him. When we choose to move in our own power to not minister to him in the inner court, very simply, we're choosing to worship ourselves and our own desires, and that is idolatry, And when we wonder why God is not blessing our life, it's because he will not build other kingdoms, yours, unless, I mean, except for his own. He will only build his kingdom. And so if you're not worshiping him, if you're not spending time with him in the court and know what he's calling you to, then why would he bless your kingdom? He's all about himself. He's all about building his kingdom. And it's when we are about building his kingdom that we experience his love, that we experience life to the full. Serving the Lord does not mean that we do not serve people, but it does mean that all service to people has service to the Lord as its basis. And so as I talk about the outer court today, it's with the understanding that if we're even in the outer court, it's because God has placed us there. He's told us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about something in relationship to the outer court and the inner court of worship. It's been something I've been learning about. And I think it's something we've been experiencing as a church. You know, last week, last Sunday, it was craziness in here. I'm just saying, it was crazy. If you would have brought a visitor, there's no way they would have come back. I promise you. All right? I mean, I mean, if they, if, I mean unless they were an unbeliever. If they would have been a believer, they never would have come back. If they were an unbeliever, they would have experienced God, and they'd be here this morning. I'm just saying, we moved all the chairs, and people from here to the pole together were like, Jumping up and down, dancing, worshiping God, craziness. I mean, craziness. And as I've been thinking about that, 
you know, one of the things that's come to my heart, my mind is, you know, I hope that in this expression of worship, in no way are we communicating that people who are not jumping around and dancing are any less spiritual or experiencing God's love in any less power. It's a matter of temperament. You know, and temperament is defined by the way we've been created that most naturally positions us to receive God's love. Temperament in, forms of, in terms of spirituality. And that we've all been created differently. We all have different likes and dislikes. We, God has shaped us all in a different way. And because of that, the Bible talks about many forms of worship. Tons of different forms of worship. And, and, and lots of them don't include dancing around, you know, doing the worship angel. I, this is a new one for me. The worship jumping jack. Woo! Jesus! And then you like do your hands like this, like you're worshiping like that. Oh yeah, I've started that one. I got no rhythm. I got to learn things to do that are on the, you know, the beat, just like that. Man, that Christ song was just a little slow. There's nothing more awkward than trying to dance fast to a song that's like almost there, you know? You do like double beats or, you know, whatever. All right. But anyway. But again, temperament refers to the ways in which each of us prefer to relate to the inner court and the outer court. Does that make sense? Our temperament refers to the way, well, Antley, do we relate to the inner court and outer court? Let me finish my thought. But Antley, doesn't the Bible tell us what we're supposed to do? Da, 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 da. It does, but there are, again, there's lots of expressions in the word about how we're to come into the inner court and what that might look like for us. How, and that is the intimacy of God and the transformation of our heart. And then it's also the way we express ourselves in the outer court has a lot to do with temperament too. And one thing to remember is that one temperament is not better than the other. One temperament is not better than the other. And the other thing to remember is as you take these temperament tests like Myers-Briggs or whatever, that regardless of what it says, you are the proof of what your temperament is. It's what you feel like, the way that you feel like you can best connect with God. And here are just a few of the temperaments. I'm not going to spend a lot a lot of time on this, but I do want to go just over these few. Extroverted people, like myself, like to contact and experience God in the outer world or the outer court. Introverted people prefer to contact and experience God in the inner world or the inner court. Sensing people prefer to experience God through their senses. They need to see, they need to touch, they like to be out in the outdoors. The perception of those things enables and empowers them to feel or to perceive God and be with God. Intuitive people prefer to experience God through their intuition. They don't, they don't need to see. All right? So, like, I'm intuitive also. So, it's like, my mind will tell my heart something. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see the steps in front of me. I'm like, I just, we're going to go here. We're going to go. You know? Say, I moved over here to love you guys. All right? The next two are... Oh, this is the four? Yeah, there's a bunch on my paper. Thinking people. That's why I forgot. I'm not one of these, all right? I'm just saying. Thinking people prefer to grasp the truth of God with their minds. They are, these are our theologians. These are the people who make sure how we get there is as important as where we're going. Again, I'll be like, all right, we're going here. We're going to do this, that, and that. And they're like, Antley, that contradicts the Bible. We can't buy tractors for everyone and roll over new churches, okay, and take them over can't do that. All right? Feeling people prefer to grasp the truth of God with their hearts. Remember, not better. You hear people always say, You're, you know, heaven and hell is 18 inches from heaven to hell. Hell is what you think and your heart is what you feel. You're 18 inches outside of the kingdom of God. That's just, that's not, that's just not true. 
thinkers are hugely important. And God has raised up thinkers in the midst of heresy and the history of the church that have been hugely impactful to make sure that our theology is correct over the years and years of the church's history. Perceiving people like an open, spontaneous, flexible approach to spirituality. Like myself. All right? Judging people prefer a structured plan and rhythmic approach to spirituality. So those are just like broad strokes. And hopefully as you read those, there's something inside of you that goes, oh, I can relate to that. Or I really like that. My point is this. As you hear me talk about the inner and the outer court, make sure that you don't hear me say to you, you need to do it this way. Or because Antley's jumping up front, and he's been released, and he has this freedom in dancing or whatever, that if I was spiritual, then I would need to do that too. It's just not true. It's not true. Our temperaments are just different. The way we're experiencing God is just different. And we're going to be getting, we're going to sell a, um, a book in the bookstore. We're gonna, we've ordered some. It's called Your Personality and the Spiritual Life. And again, we don't agree with everything that's in this book necessarily. But we believe that it's a good tool for you understanding. If you're coming to River City Church and you're having a hard time connecting with God, or in your personal life you're having a hard time connecting with God, it could be because you're trying to experience God through the wrong temperament or through the wrong means. You know, because it's not your personality type or it's not the way God shaped you. And the beauty of a church like ours that is growing, when people ask me, do you want to be a big church? I was like, absolutely. I want to be the biggest church in Jacksonville, maybe in the world. I do. Because the more, the larger we get, the greater our opportunity to create freedom for expression and worship. I mean, we've already experienced that here. Our room grew, and now we have art, we have dancing, we have the written word on the wall. We couldn't do that at Sea Rescue Mission because we are so, we're confined in the way we we're able to experience worship. And so people who are dancers or who are expression, want to express themselves more, are able to because of the space. Well, the same is true in the outer court. The larger we get, the more powerful we get as a church. The larger we get, the more people in our church who come in are transformed, then go out into the world and demonstrate the kingdom of God, bring the kingdom of God and you know, in ways particular to the way God has shaped them. And so we have more and more mission outside of the church walls in the outer court. And so being a big, powerful, exciting church offers more variety, offers more opportunity to experience God and to worship God, but also a greater opportunity to bring and demonstrate what his kingdom looks like outside of these four walls. Does that make sense? Because more people means more ministry, means more transmission, and all that kind of stuff, okay? So, A.W. Tozer says this. I love this guy. He's one of my heroes. Not because he didn't go to seminary like me, but that is a factor. He says this. God being one in his nature is always able to say the same thing to everyone who hears him. He does not have two messages about grace or love or justice or holiness. The revelation always is the same, pointing in the same direction. They're using different ways. He is using, they're using different ways and different means and different persons. And basically what Tozer is saying is, you know, the message of love is the message of love. It doesn't change from person to person. But God will use different means to reach people with his message of love. And we see Jesus doing that in the Gospels. Okay? And so, for the person who's sitting in the back during worship while people are jumping around dancing up front, they're sitting in the back, they're being contemplative, they're maybe not even singing. And they're just reading the words of Scripture, 
meditating on those words, and they might even look like they're not even worshiping. It could be that they're experiencing more freedom and more power than the people going nutso up here. That's possible. That is happening, I would say, based on the testimonies and the people that I know in the church. And we need to, we really, I wanna, I'm hitting this hard today because God is starting to, we're starting to do more and more. And we're looking different and different as a church. And we don't want to lose our edge in either direction. And we think that the, one of the reasons there's so much of an expression of happening up front is because for so many years, five years, many of us who are expression people in worship have been shut down. And God has opened the door recently. And we're kind of going for it. And so we're all normal in one sense. Some of you not as much as others, all right? In the church today, we have a lot of people. I'm losing my voice. Wait a second. In the church today, there are a lot of people working in the outer courts, having never seen the inner court, never having spent any time with God. I'm going to do this. How many of y'all done this? How many think I can hit that in the back? Oh. Dang. So we have a lot of people in the outer courts serving the world, working in the world. They have never been told by God to do it. They're doing it because they're supposed to. A lot of non-Christians doing service that looks like God's work, but God's never told them to do it. And there's people who are working in social ministry, loving the world in amazing ways, who were there because they think they should be. Well, the Bible says we should go serve the poor, so I'm just going to serve the poor. Well, which poor? What part of town? What demographic? If it was possible to accomplish that goal, then you could just go and do that. But Jesus tells us the poor are always going to be with us. So you better know what, what poor group he's calling you to, as just as an example. It's imperative that people who feel called to work in the outer courts are first spending time in the inner courts, being healed, transformed, and restored so that they can hear and know where in the outer court they're supposed to go and worship. Where in the outer court they're supposed to go and be obedient. It's equally important for people on the inner court, once they've experienced transformation and healing and restoration, to make sure they go and do what they're created to do. Unfortunately, in the Western church, we don't have the problem of the first person who ministers in the outer courts too much. We're filled, the church is filled with people who spend lots of time worshiping on the inner courts, but never go to the outer court. And I would say, even though it's more important to be worshiping the Lord in the inner court, it is hugely, hugely neglectful and disobedient to never spend time seeking to understand and where God has called you to worship in this world. 
Watchman Nee says this. There, no, it's not Watchman Nee. It's someone. Yeah, it is, maybe. I don't know who this is. I think it's Watchman Nee. Yeah, it is Watchman Nee. In, this, in that article, he says this. There are only two types of sin before God. One is the sin of refusing to obey when he issues orders. The other is the sin of going ahead when the Lord has not issued orders. The one is rebellion. The other is presumption. The one is not doing what the Lord has required. The other is doing what the Lord has not required. Oh, my word. I read that. I was like, oh, boy, that's not good. You mean I could be out in the world loving people, serving the poor, doing what the Bible commands, and sinning? That sucks. I mean, that's not good. But that's what he's saying, that you can presume to know what God wants. You can look around and see what everyone else is doing, never listen to God, never know him, and go do what everyone else is doing. Yes, and it can be wrong. Because you are created, given a temperament, given a shape, given a call in your life that it's only for you. Before you were created, the Bible says, There are works for you to do that only you can do that bless God in a way that only you can bless God. And when you choose to ignore him and go and do whatever you want to do because it feels right or you'll get noticed or everyone else is doing it, yes, you're being disobedient. It's a sin of presumption. And and, and in a lot of ways, you can, I mean, I'm not going to get into this, but basically it's idolatry. It's a way that we're, Serving ourselves, our egos, our comfort, our whatever, instead of serving the Lord. It's terrifying, folks, to be healed, transformed, restored, go before God and say, okay, send me. Isn't it? Because, A, you might not hear from him for a while, and you're itching. You want to go? I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Or, B, he might speak. That's what most of us are afraid of. Who? Where? This? That? The other? I mean, who knows what he's going to say? He's God. That's scary. But that's the way it's supposed to look. Again, look at Got Your Back Ministry. These guys, they didn't have a grand scheme of what they're going to do. God spoke to them. Haiti, got your back. Looks like this. Quit our jobs. Step out. God needs to show up or we're in big trouble. Heard that before. They're doing it. God shows up. They're doing specifically what God called them to do. The question is, are you? Are you ministering the outer courts because you're supposed to, you think you should? Basically, that's guilt-based or shame-based. Or have you spent enough time in the inner court allowing God to transform you so that you can hear his voice? So we have these scriptures that we're commanded to do. In the New Testament and in the Old Testament, Antley was, you know, it says we're supposed to minister to widows and orphans and the poor. James 1, 26 and 27 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. Oh, I didn't put that one up there. I cut that one out because of me. Like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble on that one. Skipping to verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Luke 4, 6, that's James speaking. Luke 4, 16 
to 18. This, you've heard me say this a million times. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Where Jesus rolls into town. This is basically his inaugural address. He walks up and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we read that and we're like, how did he know to do that? Which of the poor did Jesus go and minister to? We know that there were still poor people left when he, when he died on the cross, right? You know that there were still people who weren't healed. There were still people in bondage. So how did he know who to minister to and who not to? He was the God of the universe. But he didn't just go like, okay, heal everyone, boom. He only did what he saw the Father doing, it says. He only did specifically, he only prayed for who his Father told him to pray for. He only ministered to who his Father told him to minister. He only healed who his father told him to heal. So that means there were people he didn't heal. There were poor people in communities he didn't go to. There were lepers he didn't touch. There were dead men he, that didn't rise from the grave. There were hungry people he didn't feed. Do you believe? I mean, that's, that's what we get from the Bible. And so my question is, if Jesus only did what he said that he saw the fathers doing, what makes you think that you can just go and do whatever you want to do? Yet many of us, that's not our problem. Our problem is, Anley, I believe. I believe the right things. Isn't that enough? But James 2, 14 to 19 says this. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action. Action is what? A worship word. Is dead. Faith, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God, good, Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see why the inner court is so important now? The sin of presumption, sin of rebellion. The enemy eats us up with both of them. Some of us spend so much time with God. We soak and we soak and we soak and we soak. We get fat and we get fat and we get fat and we get fat on the spirit. And we don't ever exercise our faith. And that's disobedient. And some of us, Don't even bother to go into the inner court. The place that Christ died to bring you. We don't even bother going in there because it's easier for us to just go out and do what we want to do in the world. Even though it's good, it's not what we're called to do. As I was doing this sermon, I was thinking about the different ministries that God's raised up in our church, just as I'm worship today, that, that you would never think a church that's five years old would do. And again, this is not bragging on ourselves. It's a consequence of people hearing from the Lord. Every one of these weird ministries that we have, you know, the ministry that we have, you know, the share shop ministry came out of a, a desire and a dream that one person had in our church. It's taken off, you know, where we give clothes and stuff to people in the community. The medical pl- thing that we have, this medical uh, clinic that we have, 
came from a dream that someone had in our church that God spoke to them about. You know, Derek and Beth going to plant the beach came because God spoke to them specifically about this call. That's the only reason we think that's going to happen. Really, why are we struggling with our, if we're struggling with our finances, why would we plant a church? Because God spoke to us about planting a church. And we think that he probably has the money to cover us. You know, there's people in our church that are practicing, you know, that you'd never know about. Moms practicing, you know, teaching people about dreams and about the perfect ministry. You never, you would never know about it. But as the leader of the church, there's been this huge shift in how prophecy has been coming in, how dreams have been interpreted as a result of someone feeling like God spoke to them and they just started doing this little groups. It's hugely transforming the church right now. There was someone this week I talked to and he said, man, he goes, I ended up calling, there's someone who was in financial trouble. I ended up calling, I wasn't sure what I should do. I called this credit union. The lady I was talking on the phone said that she'd never experienced anything like this. Someone calling, trying to help out another person that they, that they just acquainted with, with some resources. She said, for the first time, in, and I've done this five times in 35 years, I went to my board and said, this person should only be playing principal only based on the love that's being shown to them by other people. And it was like this, it was like this, it was a gospel story that happened because of someone hearing from God and just making a phone call and following through. Another person, I read their Facebook status because it was great. They had this big business conference. And uh, when it, they were talking about this business conference, they said it was more like, a, this was on their Facebook page, it was more like a revival. By the end of the weekend, 70 people came to Christ at a business conference. How, how does that happen? You don't go into a business conference going like, okay, here's our goals, guys. I know we're like not doing good with money. No, you go in, you're obedient. God speaks to them, and they're obedient. And they just do what they see God doing. And the Spirit shows up, and bam, you got stuff going on that wouldn't have happened. The only way we can know who or what we are called to do, who we are, what we're called to do, is by spending time in the inner court. And Jesus has made that available to us by a sacrifice. And once we spend time there, allow him to heal, transform, and restore us, we need to wait. Wait from the general. Wait on the king to tell us where are you called to go? What are you called to do? And when we hear that, we go. Boom. We go. And our community sends us. And our community affirms, yeah, that was God. Or no, probably not. That was the enemy deceiving you. Which happens, we know that happens. But it's only by spending time in the inner court, becoming familiar with God, that we can hear his voice. We can know where we're sent. We can know what we're called to do. And as we go out, we step out into the outer court. We begin to minister to people. Paul tells us that our life, our living becomes an act of worship. All that we do, he says in Romans 12, all that you do becomes a living act of worship. And then Corinthians, he says the same thing. Whether you eat, whether you drink, do it all for the Lord. How can that happen? Because I'm spending time in the inner courts. I'm bringing that to him as an offering. I'm bringing my life to him as an offering. Everything I do as an offering. Everything in my life is worship. And when we do that, we transform the world, folks. We become very dangerous as a church. Because we're doing what God has called us to do instead of what we want to do. And we're being obedient and we're just walking through the doors as God calls us to walk through them. And there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no sense of, oh, i got to wake up at 
6 in the morning to go to the street corner ministry because the Bible says I'm supposed to serve the poor. Wrong. I don't wake up and go serve the poor that way. But my, what am I, my oldest son does. He loves it. He loves waking up and doing that. I don't even drive him. I find someone to pick him up. I want to sleep in. Every one of us, a different temperament, a different mission, a different call. And it's only when we listen to God, allow him to transform us, that we can become the powerful person God's created us to be. It's so fun. It's so exciting. I want to end with this video, and then we're going to do ministry. This is a story. It's a great picture. Why? Pause it. Should I welcome you? King, Lord of the Rings, he's basically possessed by an evil wizard. And this is Gandalf setting him free so he can become the king God created him to be. I showed it the life course. I had to show it again. It fits perfectly with this. This is God's plan for all of us, to bring us into freedom so we can become who God's created us to be. Okay, go. Gandalf Stormcrow. A just question, my liege. Late is the hour in which this conjurer chooses to appear. Last spell I name it. Ill news is an ill guest. Be silent. Give your four tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. He's the Jesus figure. He's the I devil told figure. You to speak. Is it stop? Hey, Son of Finger. That's you. Too long upset in the shadows. That's me. I would stay still if I were you. Hearken to me.
free Anne again, my friend. Fingers would remember their own strength better if they grasped your sword. of each of you that is what it's like if you're either if you're on the outer court and you're not doing specifically what God's called and shaped and wants you to do then you're being disobedient and you're not fully being who God created you to be and if you're on the inner court and or if you're not on the inner court you're not spending time with him and allowing him to let you breathe free air that's what Gandalf said you were created to breathe free air to be transformed so you can go out then then you need to spend time in the inner court. We, each of us, are just like that. We have been given purpose and mission. Many of us are sitting in the inner court and we're looking at the sword. What do I do with that? What am I supposed to do? God says, wait and I will tell you and then go conquer, subdue, and rule over the part of creation I've given to you. And that is worshipful to me and that blesses me. And others of you are running around the world with a rake, hitting people with it. Seriously, and you need to come back to the inner court. Hear from the Lord. Receive your sword so that you can go and do damage that you were created to do. So, we're going to stand right now and create space for God to come and speak to us. Some of us to experience the inner court. Some of us this morning to hear our particular mission. We'd love to pray for physical healing, emotional healing, or spiritual healing for any reason. So let's stand. If you'd like to receive prayer for anything physical, just go over towards the cross area. We'll have people praying for you. But anyone who would like to come forward for ministry for any reason, we'd love to pray for you. We have your kids again for about 15 minutes, so don't worry about that. So let's just come forward, fill up the space. And if you're thinking, oh my goodness, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, come and hear God. He wants to speak to you about that. You were designed to hear from him, to be led by him. Get marching orders from the king. And others of you, he desperately wants you to know his love. He desperately wants you to breathe the free air that Christ has died to give you on the inner court so that you can be transformed and quit beating people up with a rake or your Bible. Let's just fill the space up. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and just see what he wants to say to us, how he wants to minister to us.